welcome back, Bitcoin Accumulation Country. My name is Phil. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. We're in season two, and this is episode 40. Hope everybody's having a great week so far. Um, we've got a really special episode with BTC Socialist. You may know him from the uh, uh, the uh, the roundtable uh, episodes. He always has these really cool microcontrollers, and he's the one always talking about the uh, the pay terminals. And he's essentially like always bringing the you know while a lot of people are trying to like you know make the technology on beefier and beefier tech. He's, you know, he's looking at the microcontrollers and trying to make smaller applications that are like, I, I think, much easier to implement with uh, with Lightning. Anyways, it's really amazing stuff, and I'm super excited to have him on the show. So, but before we get into that, I uh, I actually have a um, uh, a pretty a pretty interesting offer for the uh, fun with Bitcoin listeners. Uh, I ended up fixing. Uh, somebody in the uh, Bitcoin community. Well, I didn't end up fixing it. I troubleshot his uh, his node, uh, his Lightning node, for uh, uh, quite a few hours, and uh, I ended up getting a, a discount code for the uh, the fun with Bitcoin listeners. And um, it's for a website called MoetaRags.com. It's a bunch of really cool Bitcoin merch, T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, aprons. All kinds. It's really, really cool stuff. I ended up getting two T-shirts myself. Um, I got a Reckless T-shirt and a um, Orange Coin Number One. I, I just totally love the uh, the swag, so I'm totally happy to support it. So, uh, anyways, um, there's a uh, discount code that's going to be in the show notes. It's, uh, when you go to checkout, you just simply have to put in the code Fun with Bitcoin, and you get a 15% discount. And that's MoetaRags.com. So anyways, without further ado, here is my discussion with BTC Socialist. All right, Bitcoin Accumulation Country. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. That's right. We are going through a rebrand. We were fun with crypto when I was on my desperate search, but now we're fun with Bitcoin officially. The uh, the first person I'm going to be talking to uh, on my rebrand is actually somebody that... I met on the Lightning Node Roundtable, and uh, I've grown to become pretty good friends with him in the Bitcoin space. And he's shown me some really cool stuff with these these Lightning Pay terminals. And every time I speak to him, he always blows my mind. I am talking about none other than BTC Socialist. Thank you so much for being on my show, man. It's okay. It's okay. Um, uh, no, I, I very much approve of the name change, and I think you'll 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 please a lot of the OG like crypto crypto as in cryptography guys. Because I know it really gets their gets their back for the whole uh, uh, cryptocurrency crypto. Because it's obviously for them it's that's cryptography. And um, I saw an interview with oh crikey, who was it with? It was one of the one of the um, one of the guys he worked with, Hal Finney, and they were just saying how he would hate it. People calling cryptocurrencies crypto. Um, that's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. So so yeah. No, it's a it's a good change. It's a good change to go Bitcoin there. Uh, Thank you very much. Bitcoin. Cool man. Cool. So um, so look, I I think. Um, so I know you do a whole lot of stuff with the uh, with the tech side, but you're also on uh, World Crypto Network. So I, I mean, you, to me, you're yeah, like I know they haven't changed that to World Bitcoin Network. Oh, uh, not yet. How much I've asked them to, they haven't. <laughs> but um, um, but tell me this, right? Like uh, the one thing I think I've never heard was your uh, your rabbit hole story, man. So uh, how did uh, how did how did you get into the space? Uh, well, I was I mean, so I was I was I was one of those victims of 2008. I bought I bought my flat in 2007, I think. 
And then I was like a young guy, first flat, you know, getting my foot on the ladder and all that stuff. And then the next year I was like 40% negative equity, owning like tens of thousands of pounds. So, um, uh, cause of the, the house market crash. Um, so and particularly in where I bought, it was very much boom time. So it was like a, you know, sort of a one bed apartment in an area where they were building thousands of apartments during the boom years. Um, so anyway, I was able to kind of eventually clean up that mess, but in the process of cleaning up that mess, um, I didn't have like the, the, the best sort of, so in the UK, we have a kind of a credit rating if we apply for credit. Um, and I wasn't someone who ever had credit cards. I always tried to avoid debt. I hated the idea of debt and lending, loaning me up, you know, borrowing money from people. But, um, obviously you have to do it when you buy a flat or a house or whatever. Um, but there were, there were a few months, I think, where I'd like missed a repayment here, missed a repayment there, whatever. But eventually I sort of wrapped, sold the place, wrapped up the, the, the negative equity in a loan, which I was repaying. Um, uh, and then years later, um, I, was, I, was, I was a teacher, I was trained as a teacher. I started out in sp sort of working with uh, special needs kids and then um, I then became a teacher specifically with kids with uh, emotional behavioral difficulties or sort of teenagers. Um, I was able to get an all right salary and you know, save a little bit of money. And so I had some money in the bank and I was like, okay, what should I do with this money now? Um, so I thought, oh, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll use it as a mortgage for a house. So I thought, okay, well, I'll try buying a house and, you know, again, you know, um, hopefully <laughs> there will be another economic crisis and I won't lose my money. So. So I give it a whirl. So I find a house, which me and my partner liked, and we had a child and stuff. So I went to the bank and I sat down with the bank manager and he said, okay, I'll do a credit credit uh, 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 rating search on, on you, you know, to see whether, what, what packages we can offer you. And then he like, he does this, he taps around his keyboard for a second and then he looks at me and he says, are you bankrupt? And I was like, uh, no, I don't think I am. <laughs> like, and he said, your, your credit report is so bad, you should probably go bankrupt. And I was, I was, and then come back in six years because that's when it's kind of cleared. And I was thinking, really, and it really was like I had friends who, you know, during the boom times, they they got loads of debt and, and credit cards and loans, tens of thousands of pounds, and they bought themselves fancy TVs and cars and stuff. I was never that guy. Um, um, and it was just kind of, you know, there's there's a a, a, a few mis mispayment, you know, a few a few months where I didn't wasn't able to pay pay the mortgage, and, and that, that was about it really. But because I didn't play the credit game, so I hadn't got credit cards, I hadn't built up a credit rating. Um, I always used like pay as you go, and I just hated the idea of owing people money. Um, like my, my credit report was just terrible. Like the only experience they'd had with me hadn't been, hadn't been great. So, uh, so I couldn't get a mortgage. So I was like, right, fuck you. <laughs> and by that, by that point, I kind of knew a decent amount enough, enough about Bitcoin. So I just took all the money which I was going to um, uh, use for a mortgage deposit and I just bought Bitcoin um, and then held on to it and I was teaching uh, and I loved my job teaching the, the it was very demanding uh, the sorts of kids I worked with but um, there, it, was, it was very rewarding as well we, we did a lot of good work and we, we turned a lot of their lives around it was cool That's amazing. Uh, but it got to the, the the point where the service we were working for was quite an expensive service because it's you know it's kind of one-to-one -one teaching or one-to-two teaching so um, we uh, the service was dismantled eventually when the um, sort of austerity stuff kind of hit the local councils in the UK. So it kind of took a while really actually after 2008 for it to happen. I suppose it's probably the, the um, quantitative easing kind of kept the wheels turning for a while. But yeah. when all the austerity measures came in, all sorts of services like expensive services, working directly with you know impoverished people, they were the first to be hit. So um, our, our service was kind of like turned upside down and it was just turned into kind of a regular normal uh, sort of special needs school and and the the the, the, the good 
creative work we were doing with the kids before we weren't able to do anymore so that was really sad but thankfully kind of bitcoin it got to the point then where i was able to take a little bit of time off and then just start fiddling around and, and and you know doing little projects and little things on the side to kind of keep me afloat so um i was kind of put in that position where i had you know i had some means where i could i could i could step back and then concentrate just on my actual plan was to because because the, the the work thing uh, was was quite stressful so my actual plan was to do nothing for a couple of years but then after about a month i got bored um and uh that's when i started thinking well how can i contribute back to the, the ecosystem so um i'd done some electronic stuff with the kids uh, when i taught them um and i obviously i taught so i thought i could probably do some tutorials or whatnot um, and that's how i kind of got into doing some of the electronics projects which i've been doing working with bitcoin um and then i also thought as well that you know being being pretty left um uh you know what, what you would probably describe as a socialist then I thought I could probably stick my oar in there as well and, 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 and I don't know, try and sort of decentralize something. Because to me, it always felt like Bitcoin originally um, was politically diverse. Uh, mm. There's a lot of anarchists, um, quite a lot of lefties, you know, within Bitcoin. I think there still is a lot of lefties in Bitcoin, but back in the day, they were a little bit more louder. Um, but it, it, it feels like um, Bitcoin kind of, uh, it, it, uh, you know, it seems that there's this sort of branding which has started to come along with Bitcoin. Um, and that's that sort of like far right libertarian brand. And it's, I think it's just the loudest people in the room, really. But I don't really think it does it much <laughs> good. You know, if we want this to be like a standard for the world, um, you're not going to win people over by, by trying to make a community coin, you know. Um, so, you know, like it's, 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 it's like saying that, you know, gold is libertarian or... or you know, it sinks in with libertarian ideals and sort of some, some of the ideas of Austrian economics. But in that same respect, Marx himself, you know, loved gold and thought gold was a good money. So um, so there's also lots of lefty uh, ideologies which can also sink in with, with kind of what Bitcoin is and the idea of a, a political money. So, yeah, so I, so I was kind of quite keen on, on being quite loud about that as well, as loud as I could be. Um, hence the name BTC Socialist, which I get a lot of flack for. Yeah, like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a shame as well because like the electronic stuff I do is really good, um, if I don't say so myself. Uh, and it, it, it's <laughs> that's awesome. It's, um, well, I mean, it's good because like we get, I get good feedback from people, you know, and like the people who actually watch the videos and the people who yeah. follow some of the projects and they make little spin-off projects, which are far better than my my original projects. But it kind of like I seem to be helping inspire people to make some cool stuff, and I think kind of my name kind of holds me back. Like if I had like a, I don't know if I was called like I don't know a BTC. Uh, libertarian or whatever, then, um, well, then uh, I'd have many more people kind of like experimenting with the projects and building stuff. So it's kind of a shame that kind of holds me back the name. But in the same respect, like, I think it's important for those on the left to, to raise a flag and say, hold on, guys, we are here. Um, I don't know, which has been happening, you know, within the, even within like the circle of some of the core developers, they, they felt the need to kind of raise their hand and say, hold on. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I got uh, that. That was uh, when I told a few people that uh, that I was going to be interviewing you um, because they've heard the lightning roundtables. The, the questions all every uh, each of their questions was ask him why he called himself BTC socialist. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah, it, it has an interesting I, I personally never really, you know, I, I didn't really think of it. Uh, I don't know. I just figured, like, whatever. It's a name. We all have, like, you know, we all just have avatars and we all have sure, yeah. symbols yeah. and random names. So I just, I was like, okay, that's what he's calling himself. So I mean, to me, yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, no, it's, it's, I think it's good to be quite open-minded in that way. But for I me, mean, to me, it's that you know, it's people's money owned and regulated by the people. So it's socialized control. We talk about decentralization. Decentralization is, is socializing control. That's what it is. And um, I think the 
part of the problem is, you know, so if you Google define socialism, you get the definition, which is that the means of production, manufacturing and distribution be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. Um, uh, but I think people conflate quite often when people have, you know, when societies have tried to, to, to push the idea of, of stuff being owned by the community as a whole, they've tried to wield it through the technology of, of state and government. Um, and that hasn't worked very well at all. No. So I think understandably a lot of people conflate, you know, the word socialism with, you know, the USSR and with Mao and Pol Pot and all these other horrific examples. Um, yeah. Which is which is fair in a way, but the the actual kernel of socialized control is is it's still called socialism. It's not, you know. So you know, I'm, I'm, when I when I say I'm a socialist, I'm, I'm advocating community control. I'm not advocating like Stalin or you know, any of those guys. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, so yeah. I mean, the, it, it, that's a very broad subject on its own. But um, uh, the. I kind of feel like society moves forward and people become more liberated over time um, and, and freer over time. Uh, I don't think we're, we're at the end. I don't think that the capitalist mode of production is the only mode of production we're ever going to have. And I, I, I believe society will evolve. I want to end up in a Star Trek utopia. Um, and I believe that there's, there's certain things, you know, like sort of overconsumption and the, the, uh, the effect we're having on the planet. So there's certain contradictions which, which mean that we can't continue with that mode of production, no matter how productive it is. I mean, it's incredibly productive. And it, you know, as, again, as Mark said, it pulls the whole world together and with, with, with trade routes. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it can't last forever. Um, and in fact, a lot of it's about just taking control. So, you know, it, it, it's about, it's about not wanting there to be centralized control. It's about wanting there to be decentralized, socialized control, um, over, over production. So if you look at I use the free and open source because controversial. I use the free and open source software um, movement as a good example. So, you know, back in the, the sort of late 70s, early 80s, the uh, software developers, they were being forced to sign these non-disclosure agreements because people wanted to have proprietary ownership over software. The companies wanted to have proprietary ownership over the software and make money off it. And then the developers and the engineers who actually built the software were like, no, I, we, we, don't, we want this our software. Like, we want to be able to share it with our mates and it's science and it's data. We want to be able to, you know, give it, hand it, pass it around um, to people who want to use it and, and offer it to people for free. So that's why Richard Stallman broke away and, and came up with the Free Software Foundation and that whole movement started. Um, so uh, I think when somebody tries to have proprietary control over some things, it's not for the benefit of the, the, the liberty of most. So, um, and I see that with just the, the capitalist mode of production. Um, uh, I, I, I'm not saying that in any means do I have an answer. So the, the, the point is I advocate like, you know, say a worker cooperative, for example. Um, but, you know, I, I understand that they're grossly inefficient. They don't work very well. And it's much easier just to have a guy just giving orders from the top and, and those orders to be followed by their managers and whatever. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, I think just because that's not something which will work right now, now, uh, it's not some, it's something which the, the technology to allow something like that, that type of mode of production to exist should be explored. Um, um, and uh, it, it could potentially give people a more, a, you know, liberate more people and, and help make more people free. So, um, so yeah, so it's, 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 it's difficult because often people will be like, well, you know, you call yourself a socialist, you just want state control and, uh, and this and that, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, no, actually, I just want decentralized control. I just want socialized control even over production, but I'm, I, I'm not saying it should be forced. I'm just saying it's something which I want to explore 
And I think that Bitcoin, so being able to have a more direct form of democracy and not have representative democracy, um, have a sort of my more direct form of democracy through having this digitally scarce data and being able to sign things and, and prove who you are. Um, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's an ability there for that to help uh, foster uh, uh, worker cooperatives, for example. So, um, yeah, so I suppose a good way of putting it is I want to free an open source society uh, where, <laughs> where control <laughs> is decentralized, where someone comes up with an idea, you know, like some of the ideas for the projects which I built, and then they release it, and then other people build on those ideas, and then you just contribute where you can, like you, you know, you contribute as, a, as, as doing the podcasts. It's, um, you find something you can do, and then you, you contribute in the way which you can. And then if everyone does that, then we can all share that, that collective system which we're all working towards and building. Um, and that, I mean, so that's, you know, each to his own ability, each to his own need, which mm -hmm. is, is kind of the, the tagline of, of communism, which is, you know, I'm not calling myself communist, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> so there's some ideas in there, which, you know, again, you say something like communism, people think, oh, okay, it's North Korea. And it's like, oh, well, so where they've, they've tried to force this thing using state. But, and it's, <laughs> but let's point out, right? Let's point out that those, okay, because I, I mean, true, true communism has never actually been uh, a true communal utopia Absolutely. has never actually been enacted. It's only it it's only in theory. Be, yeah. And, and the yeah. what we've had in reality, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of flack for this, but what we've had in reality are the extreme applications of those ideas in the most negative capable, like as negatively as they could be applied. Yeah. So it, I and think like also, I think there's like a spectrum, you know? Sure. I mean, like and, and so like. They, people were aware of it as well. So like Lenin with, with his vanguard and his, um, the idea of giving uh, the, means, the, the industry, the powers of industry to state and then state would then, this was the idea that state would then foster uh, worker control over industry um, and help develop and culture that to happen. Well, that never happened. So Lenin, you know, they, they took control of industry, state took control of industry and then it kept it. And Lenin until his dying day, he said that, you know, the USSR was not socialist. But then Stalin said, yeah, wait, this, this, is, this is socialism, you know. Um, and then obviously that kind of dystopia then is, uh, it's within the benefit of, it make, he's saying it's socialism. And then if the US who are then battling that ideology say, yeah, that is socialism, look how horrible it is. Uh, it, it kind of benefits both parties. So it's, it's, you know, I would argue, so Marx said that you would, you, you, socialism would come out of the, the um, the uh the contradictions within capitalism but you have to have like full-blown you know unabashed capitalism and then those contradictions would would bring about something like socialism um, and then maybe eventually socialism would bring about something the you know, contradictions within socialism would bring about something like communism um i would argue that we haven't even had like a truly capitalist state yet we haven't had truly free markets you know in a, in a, in a developed country you got oh. free markets in like an undeveloped you know backward country and, I don't know, um, sub-Saharan Africa or something, you know, there's, there's no controlling markets there. But I mean, in a, in, a, in a developed way, we haven't had truly free markets. So, you know, when people say, well, this was this was communist or this was socialist, I'm like, hold on, like, I, I don't even think we've had, like, capitalism yet properly, you know. That's right. And maybe, maybe we never will. Like, there may be, you know, yeah. like, so the Marxist time, for example, is very different to ours. Like, now we have a lot of companies are owned by the people who work in the companies. They have, they have shares and they have um, options in the company. And um uh so a lot of his ideas were, were kind of taken forward as a way to um try and alleviate some people's uh suffering and, and you know working these good better working conditions and 
you know, access to education, healthcare, this sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, so who knows, who knows, but that, that, that's, 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 I think it's very important to, for me to say that I'm not advocating, you know, stuff. <laughs> I was gonna say we we just went off on a serious tangent. It's hard not to though. This is the problem. Like, it's really so hard. I know. To. It's like you try and to then, try not to touch more, that topic too much, and it's like, and then you just slightly open the floodgate, and it's like, oh, you know, and it really triggers people as well. Like, oh, I yeah. have people in conferences when we've had these kind of debates, and I'm like, look, I'm not advocating start. I'm just advocating just. Um, uh, 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 socialized control, community control, or, or, or community control over regulation as a whole, over a system, over 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 industry, over software, over society. I just want democracy everywhere. Um, uh, and then, then people, you know, the, the, I've had some people like almost squaring up to me over it, you know, uh, seriously. And <laughs> of I was course, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. of course, man, people get and passionate. Like, you know, yeah, and a lot yeah. of people as well. They, they, their, their families. Have, I mean, they, they, they've they're you know, their second generation, like their, their parents would have been in, in Russia or, you know, they would have been lived in some of these horrible societies. And then you have this decade come along and say, yeah, socialist. And they're like, fuck you, man. <laughs> but, but again, you know, again, the most extreme applications, the, the most extreme negative applications of, of an idea, you know, and this is the, this is the, the, this is what the human being was able to create. You know, it's, it's wonderful that we can create these, you know, these ideas and theories, you know, but the reality is, is that once we start to introduce human vice, into the mix, right? And incentives. The the ideas go. You know what I mean? They they go to the uh, the incentives. Well, I mean, you have to right? have the right technology as well. So, like, you know, maybe the right technology. That, that's a good point. A technology maybe that doesn't enable that. You know, they, the, they use they use they use the technology. I mean, like, so on my little um, tagline for my on my Twitter is replace state with Bitcoin specifically because I don't want state. I want to get rid of state. Like, and I think you can get rid of a lot of state by um, having something like Bitcoin. So there's a really nice quote by uh, uh, San Simone, who was a um, uh, sort of a, a political theorist, philosopher guy in the 1700s. And he said, um, uh, one day the art of um, governing will be at an end um, and it will be replaced by a new art, the art of administering things. So uh, the idea that people are always going to govern over people when you get the right technology, it will just be there will be administration without people governing over other people. And when I see something like Bitcoin, um, I think that kind of ticks that box. You know, it's 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 you can have like an organized system with rules and with collective decision making without having to have uh, figureheads, without having to have people represent, you know, representing you democratically or um, uh, and that's incredibly exciting to me. I think it's great. Uh, and I think something we should be explored. Um, uh, but I also, I mean, like, I also very much value. So, you know, I would, I would say I'm a libertarian as well. Like, I want liberty for people, but I don't think you can have liberty with, you know, the current kind of capitalist system. I just don't think you can have it. Uh, true liberty. You can have a lot more liberty than, than people have had in other systems, like feudalism or slavery or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, it's relative um, liberty. Yeah, exactly. Relative but, I mean, I think liberty. you think you can always have more liberty. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's something worth worth working working towards. So so no, it's um yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny one. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so uh, here let's. Um... There's plenty of times though, because you know I, so I I mean so yeah, in Europe we have a lot of like, so say if you go to the Congress, Chaos Communication Congress, they're all like lefty anarchist types, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh. And some of them would 
people would probably call themselves socialists as well, but they're all lefty anarchists. So I could have very easily just called myself BTC anarchist, and then everyone would be like, oh, that's great, yeah, we love anarchy. You we should! <laughs> but, BTC um, soft anarchist. You know? <laughs> it's, it's just soft anarchy, you know? Well, I mean, like, what <laughs> says that anarchism's actually kind of like hardcore socialism, you know, it's, uh, it's um, control decentralized so much that you don't have any governing bodies at all. You have, you know, it's, it's all, it's, it's, it's democracy from the bottom up, isn't it? Um, there was a quote by Arthur Rosenberg, who's a famous trade union guy, and he said that this is really going to trigger people as well. But he said, he said <laughs> this was back in the 1800s. He said that um, every anarchist is first a socialist, but not every socialist is an anarchist. Uh, so I would say, yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? But um, anarchism historically was always a left uh, uh, movement. Um, but then that concept of, okay, we don't want. Uh, control over people that was then the people thought well that, that means you know, we don't want government control so we want you know just uh, like completely free markets and blah 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 um, so then you end up with anarcho-capitalists which I think is really silly but you know if people want to call themselves anarcho-capitalists that's cool but I always think that like anarchism is like the no man's land we can all meet on and have a nice cup of tea um, like you know just get rid of state get rid of everyone just you know, just or, have organized chaos or, yeah, organized. Well, it's exactly. Well, it's not. Yeah, this is the thing. It's not chaos. It's like, well, so it's chaos not, has a negative connotation. Again, like we're you know remember right? We we we've defined these words, and and everybody yeah. has like you know like society picks like one part of of a word's meaning and then ascribes to it, and then you know chaos can only mean like bad, you know, but mm -hmm. not really recognizing what the nature of it is. So, so I, I, when I say organized chaos, I, I'm not saying it. As I know what in, you mean like taking away the, the, the structures like, of. Society. Think of it as like organized randomness, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe yeah. that's better. I love all that stuff. I love the experimentation which happens as well. So you have the, you know, the um, uh, anarcho syndicalists in, in the Spanish Revolution. You had the, the, the a whole uh, an area of Spain where they were able to self-govern, and it worked. You know, um, uh, people were fed, and, and everyone had enough. Oh. You know what the argument is, right? The argument for that is is that it won't it won't work on the grand scale. You know what I mean? Well, I mean like that yeah. that's always the argument, right? It's yeah, by by sure. the people, you know, by you know, by by the people whose ends are not those. They'll always argue that it won't work on on a grand scale because they need it to you know they need work it to work. A well, certain it's hard. Way. It's hard to imagine though, isn't it? Because so. like, you, it's, it, but again, it's like it's like in feudalist Europe. If you were to tell Europe that it would be full of free markets and democracy. Um, it's like that, the, that last um, episode of uh, Game of Thrones um, when the, the whole city guy's called Sam, when Sam like, proposes democracy to the, to the lords and Game of Thrones, they all just laugh at him. They're like, it's ridiculous. What a stupid idea. And one of them's like, oh, should I give my horse a boat? Um, uh, so no, so during the times of slavery, they thought something like feudalism would be impossible and a ridiculous idea. During the times of feudalism, they thought that democracy and free markets would be a ridiculous idea. Um, uh, so you know, for people to think that a more direct and local, I mean, so anarchism really is like kind of a really localized version of democracy, isn't it? So, yeah, you, know, you, 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 you focus on your immediate area. Um, uh, well, people struggle to, to see that on a, a bit because during the time of feudalism, there were these little flare ups of, of democracy which happened here, there and everywhere. But they only lasted a little while, just like the Spanish Revolution, just like saying that Rojava in northern Syria now, they, they kind of got this anarchist um, experiment going on at the moment which seems to be successful um uh but yeah there's, there's these little instances where it happens but you need the right technology so you know before the printing press people were uneducated they couldn't exchange ideas how are they ever going to have like in, be able to in, vote intelligently 
um, just because they haven't got access to, to information, they don't read. Whereas then when you have the printing press, you have um, the, the you know, knowledge revolution and suddenly everyone can read and they can exchange ideas. And then shortly after that, you have the ability for people to be able to have, you know, make democratic decisions effectively. It's the speed at which they can communicate those ideas that keeps increasing. Yeah. If we if we take a look at it, like it's look at it, us. It, it, that is what it is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing. So I mean, the, when people say you know we have the internet, I mean I'm, I remember pre-internet, you know, just about, um, um, and I'm still fairly young. So it's 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 it's, it's, it's only within the past really twenty years that the internet's really really happened, um, and things like free and open source software, and then something like Bitcoin, decentralized decision making. To think that these technologies aren't going to profoundly impact um, the way in which we, we govern our societies, the way we produce things is, it's insane. Like it is going to profoundly impact it. Um, and it is, you know, more access to information. So people who've been marginalized, who haven't had a say in the past are suddenly going to be able to have a say and make them make their voices heard. So it's, I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen. You know, I, it's, it's when, once the printing press was invented, it took a little while for the, for the revolution to then happen for then, for then, for then, you know, people to become more liberated. And it was bloody, which was bad. But, you know, I think this is probably why Marx thought, and this is one of the biggest problems of the sort of whole Marxist, Marxist doctrine, is that he thought that all revolutions in the past have been bloody. Um, so likely the revolution from uh, capitalism to socialism would be bloody. And then that, that then almost gave a, a free pass to all those dictators who wanted to take control. And they thought, well, this, this bloody, me killing all these people, send all these perfectly... Uh, innocent people to the fields to, to work them to death um, is excusable because you know the revolution will be bloody like they, they wanted they had the bloodlust um, hopefully uh, by the nature of things like the internet free and open source society, uh, free and open source software and things like bitcoin hopefully we can just trojan like the system we can just infect the system from within and then give people more liberty and freedom without having to have like bloody revolution but um, there is part of me which thinks if we have massive uh, you know uh, ecological crisis, if we have huge climate change problems, mass immigration, um, hard borders, <laughs> heavy conflict maybe in, in Europe, if we get all these right-wing governments and hard borders, then then it could be it could be more bloody than that. So, which I, I really wouldn't want. I want I want I want it to be slow and conservative. And um, but the, the world to me looks like it's getting more um, more uh, what's the word chaotic, more uh, not chaotic, more. Um, Oh, like a tinderbox, you know, ready to explode. Oh. Um, yeah. So, um, and I think, you know, maybe the internet has a hand in that almost. Obviously, the way in which information is communicated does affect that. So, well, so yeah. we, we also have the, uh, the issue, right, with the internet, with the fact that, like, you know, I, and I remember this actually specific to Bitcoin, okay? When I first got into Bitcoin, I could not tell the difference between FUD and fact and it's like you know what i mean like there, there's just so much and i'm not just talking about bitcoin specifically i'm talking about like you know crypto shit coins the whole deal mm. like it, mm. it's like you you can't even when, when you don't know it, it's it like you can't even tell what's real and it's kind of scary because mm. depending on which news sources you're reading are going to paint what picture you're seeing so you've got all these people thinking that something is happening right mm. like we create you know creating the perception and I, I mean, it's like, who's going to be the fact checker, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's is, like we, we need an absolute. It's like, I, yeah. you, you know what? It, it totally sounds like psychotic big brother dystopian future. OK, because think about it. You need one source of information that is like the absolute 
truth. But that know? doesn't exist, though. Does it doesn't it? exist. Like, it, it's no. impossible. <laughs> you need, and you need to. But I will say, truth like, from whose perspective? I'm know? actually quite <laughs> positive when it comes to all that stuff. Um, uh, probably more than most, because say the kids I worked with, they were the most, you know, uneducated, impoverished children you can imagine. You know, all below, pretty much 95 percent of them below the poverty line. Um, so they changed though in the years in which I taught them. Uh, and one of the ways in which they changed is they had just access to information. And every night they would go home and watch all these YouTube videos and most of it's crap. But I noticed a pattern over time that the kids, even the kids I was teaching couldn't read or write or whatever, but the quality of data they were accessing became better and better over mm -hmm. time. So we, me, you, like all of us who use the internet, we learn over time how to differentiate between the crap and, and, and the good source of information. Some people get yeah, absolutely go down the wrong path um, and believe something too sincerely, like, you know, for the flat earthers, for example. Um, but then, you know, they're so ridiculous that that then becomes a joke, a meme. And then over time, people realize that there is there is misinformation on the Internet. Um, and I do actually think that we've had, obviously had some problems with misinformation you know, the whole world's had problems with it in the past couple of years. But I think over time, human brains. So like as a teacher, you know, I, I think the, the ability, the very fact that human beings can stand up, walk around and talk with each other means that their brains are geared to try and find good data um, and then and learn from experience. Um, but you've just got to give access, people access to good data. And then when they've got access to good data or just data in general, that their, their, their brains just because they're humans and they're able to walk and talk, they will, uh, over time, start to try and like find the, the good data from the bad data. Um, particularly kind of kids who are kind of brought up on the internet, they'll, they'll try and find the, the, the good data. So I'm actually quite confident that, that in the next sort of 20, 30 years that um, uh, human beings are gonna become much better at, at, at being able to, to sort through information. Um, I'll say as well, like, so those kids who I taught who, you know, couldn't read or write and, um, you know, would, would just be the worst um, uh, uh, poorly educated kids in, in a school, for example, and they would eventually be chucked down, they'd end up with us. Um, they were all capable had you put them in different circumstances with loving, caring parents who nurtured them and, you know, fed them properly and sent them to a nice school. They're all capable of, of being, you know, a students, you know, grade A students, and there was nothing stopping. Some of them had, you know, some learning difficulties, obviously, which which would, would make them struggle. But there was um, uh, there was nothing. It was just the access to information, the access to, to, to good experiences and good data, which was which was which was holding them back. And I think the internet gives people access to good good data and good information. So, um, so I am quite confident. I'm quite confident that the, that people will just become much more. Um, uh, much better just finding um, good information because uh, they have the autonomy and they're, they're having to, to learn the hard way that if they, they don't find it, they end up, yeah. Um, and if you, um, and if you actually, you know, try to experiment and stuff like that based on that bad information, you'll, you'll quickly learn that the yes. information is bad. And I think that's kind of to your point, right? Is that through the absorption of that information, they, they end up being able to destroy if they're again, depending on, you know, um, I, I think it depends on the person, of course. Right. Um, and like you said, you know, how badly they want to choose to, you know, invest in whatever idea it is they're believing in. But if they're willing to be open-minded, look at the ideas and then, you know, actively 
you know, build them up as, you know, true or false, then they're able to get to the point where the information that they're taking in is a lot better quality. And, and that's exactly what happened, you know, even in my case was, you know, after a while, the quality of the information got a lot better. And, yeah. and, and as a result, you know, as a result, um, you know, you can make clearer decisions. So that, that's pretty good. I mean, so, you see it. You, you see it ourselves. You know, there's this phenomenon of, of, of the, the, you know, these uh, professors and intellectuals having huge views on YouTube for some of their content, um, and it's uh, it's just normal people, normal people who finally start to find, realize that the, the, the time in which they have uh, to themselves, where they can watch wherever they want, they want to try and home in and, and watch something which is half decent, you know, and the, the, has good information in it. So, um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. So, well, the world will get better. People will become free and more liberated over time. Just gonna wait, wait on So um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna switch uh, we're gonna switch gears now from uh, from triggering everybody in the, the the political ideas and everything like that, and uh, we're gonna go back into the uh, the lightning and tech stuff. Um, yeah, sure. Good. So uh, okay, so I, I feel like. Um, so based on everything that I know of you, like I feel like you didn't tumble down the uh, the shitcoin rabbit hole. Like, I feel like you you may have avoided it. Is that? Uh... I mean, I actually think that um, there's. I don't think. I don't think there's so much room for shitcoins, but I do think there's room for kind of community coins, um, but probably side chains off off Bitcoin. I think in the future that you know we probably will have not fiat, but kind of government coin um but it will be it will be based backed off bitcoin by, backed by, based off bitcoin yeah yeah um and they could even have uh maybe even some inflation in there or they could have some sort of surplus recycling mechanism in there um for for say if they have some sort of economic issue um but in a way where if they obviously if they take the piss too much people can then just switch out to bitcoin can't they um uh so i i, I think that stuff will be experimented with and i also quite like you know i think for some uh, communities of people that like to have their own token, which they can they can pass between them. I think my first experience of questioning what money was was um, uh, when I was a child. My my mother she um, she was in this something called a babysitting circle. So it's just a group of friends, and like they were taking turns to babysit each other's kids. And um, when you babysit sat with one of these kids, you would, they would they, you get a little plastic ring, a little white plastic ring. And she had this like just this thread of. Um, uh, like just like actually, I think it was a ring, maybe like a ring of plastic. Which she she put thread these rings onto, and every time she babysat a child, she get one of these rings, so she thread it onto this big ring, a big ring she had. Um, and then you know, if, if she wanted to go out, my her, my dad wanted to go out for the evening or whatever, they could they could one of her friends, she could give them pass on the ring to them, and then you know, it, it kind of this token would be passed through that tiny little community of people. Um, uh, and I remember looking at these rings. And like these little tiny plastic rings and thinking like um, imagine them as having value you know like these have some sort of value like this is this is someone's evening you know they can i, was, I must have been really young at the time um uh but i do think that 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 there are there are there is room for people to have tokens and and and, and kind of like a community brand of coin um, and there's also some there's some old coins which i don't mind I, monero i think's really interesting and, and probably quite important you know i I'm someone who thinks that we need confidential transactions. Um, uh, uh, so, so something like Monero for me, uh, it, I think it's something we need to keep in the wings, um, uh, or, or, or have, at least have there just to see how how, how it works. You know, whether they have like an inflation bug, which causes the whole thing to collapse. Like, 
Cool. So I, I don't, because um, obviously, you know, like, you know, like we're, we're definitely going to have to talk about that. But um, I just wanted to say, so for Monero, the, the, the thing that got me um, away, and I shouldn't say away from privacy coins, but just really understanding their use case, because you're going back to, you know, questioning what money was and those rings and everything. It's like that that's that that one of the ways that I, I was able to it's not debunk, but for me, like be able to see privacy coins as not a store of value. I don't disagree with you that we need privacy layers. I don't disagree that we need confidential transactions um, because part of being able to transact freely is part of free speech. I, I believe so, and not just me, but people way smarter than me. So um, the thing is, though, I, I I don't see them as a store of value, but I do see people going and let's say, okay, if I need to do a confidential transaction, you know, I can just you know I, I can just go and go from Bitcoin to Monero, do my confidential transaction, and be done with it. I never actually need to store value in Monero. You know, so that that's what not for and I should let me rephrase that I don't need to store value in Monero for a lengthy period of time. Mm. And it's not just Monero like I'm picking on it, you know, like there's nothing wrong with it. Like, but I mean, it, Monero to me, it's any, some, you know, Monero's had some pretty nice gains. Oh, yeah, Monero. huge. No question. I, I'm, I'm totally so not has, questioning it has has managed but, to store store value, but it, it has it definitely has. <laughs> I I, I'm totally I'm, not questioning that. I'm just saying for me, it's, you know, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think that in order to have, like, something which is truly fungible, um, you just need confidential transactions just on the base layer. I don't know how, I don't know. Again, it's one of those things. It's just, I think you need it. But, uh, you know, I, I advocate that the research in that. I think it's important. Uh, I don't think it's possible now. I don't think we've been asked yeah. now safely. Um, but it's definitely something we should, we should, we should, we should be thinking about. Um, um, particularly with the, the way you know the chain analysis stuff and, and how, how progressive that stuff's coming how well that stuff's coming along um uh so and we that's all that's only just started really the chain analysis mm. thing so um so no i think in order to have a truly fungible asset it needs it needs to be you know anonymous on the on the base layer but yeah for <laughs> but now it, just mixing it on other layers and lightning networks works pretty well so I, I don't uh, I, again for that one. I also I don't I don't disagree. Confidential mm -hmm. transactions on the base layer. Um, it, you know what the uh, what I've always said is as long as they can't obfuscate the twenty one million cap. Well, this is the problem. That, that, and that is measure it. Can you? No, it's no like, way, there's no, yeah. but, but that's the key because I, I'm telling you, once they get rid of that, yeah. it's fucking fiat. It, oh, it's no, like that's it. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. totally ruined. We may as well be fucking buying shit coins. And this you is know? the worry. This is the worry with Monero that just more Monero somehow is being pumped into the system, and you just don't know. You know, you just can't tell. It, you can't account for all the coins. Um, so no, I I I agree completely. And, but it's still something we need to look at. So I like Monero. It is. I, I think keep keep Monero. You know, and and also Litecoin. I like Litecoin. I think a lot of people forget this, but um, in two thousand seventeen, when we had the um, Segwit stuff, was it sixteen? 17, 17, wasn't it? I lose track of years now. I think it was 17. Uh, no, 17 was the pump, wasn't it? It must have been 16. Yeah, 2017. Stuff, yeah, when the Segwit stuff was going on, um, and there was a, a period where um, the miners were signaling for Segwit, um, and you had the UASF stuff. Um, and Litecoin got Segwit in, because um, obviously it's a bit more centralized, so Charlie can just ask his mining mates to, to, to push Segwit and get Segwit. <laughs> And that's cool because you know it's like a, it's a small it's a smaller community of people so whatever you know, oh it's, god it's, it's the privilege of being able to but i remember at that time bitcoiners 
yeah. saying, well, worst comes to worst, we'll all just move to Litecoin. You know, if we can't get SegWit in and the miners just don't let us get control and, and put Seg, you know, don't, don't, don't listen to the, to the will of the, the people, the, the, the community as a whole, we can just move to Litecoin. I personally um, wasn't uh, around back then, so I can't really yeah, comment on they that. Really but... They really did. They really did. So if there's <laughs> so... some other thing which we, which we desperately need um, and we can't get, you know, it's hard fork in and we just can't hard fork into Bitcoin for whatever reason, um, having something like Litecoin there, which may be a little bit more centralized now, but as soon as we all move over there, it won't be as centralized. Um, again, it's not a bad thing to have around, you know, like it's, it's a, and it, it's, it's, you know, I, I don't like ICOs. I don't like all the RC20 stuff, but. Um, there's a couple of the, the older the older coins I quite like you know I think they're they're, 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 they're interesting projects they've got nice people work good people interesting people working on them and um, they've served Bitcoin and they've been useful for Bitcoin at, at some point uh, so I, I'm not I'm not I, I wouldn't say that I'm a, I'm a maximalist in that I think Bitcoin is the the, the standard that Bitcoin is, is is the backbone to everything including society in the future one day but um, which I suppose is pretty maximalist but I, I don't completely disregard uh, all, um, some of these old coins. Um, I, I do the shit coins, you know, the ICOs and all that stuff. It's, uh, obviously, they can you know, just all burn for like that. But. It, exactly. In, in a lot of those cases, you know, it's uh, like I've said in the past as well. A lot of the times, if you remove the token, you just have a software platform that you should have built without a token. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's like... Got, it's got com stuff, though. Like, so, again, I mean, I don't... Dis, so I think Liquid Network has got a lot of legs and, and, and some of the assets which you can issue on that as well. I want them to... Um, for someone to organize a couple of hackers around it, because I, I think I think that's I think that's that you know that that could be really interesting. But um, the the idea of being able to issue an asset backed by some token, backed by something, or, or based off off something like Bitcoin, um, uh, is powerful, and it will be used for something important one day. DAOs, I think DAOs, um, one day will work, and they'll be a very important part of our society. Um, uh, and again, you know, like as a bit of a socialist, like the, the decentralized autonomous organization where the people who, you know, own the asset are the ones who make the decisions over, over the organization. So the, the, the classic example was the decentralized Uber by, you know, I remember Andreas talking about the decentralized Uber using a DAO where, um, you know, they, they get, you know, instead of where the Uber drivers get 80% of the, 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 I don't know, the fare, the, the, the decentralized Uber driver would get like 98% and then 2% would go to bounties to, the, the free and open source software, which they're all using for the, to, to organize their taxi services. Um, I like that stuff. You know, to me, that, that's, that's what well, that is. It's a worker co-op with a very clever bit of software behind it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then and decentralized decision making in a, in a, 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 um, a corporation like that or a cooperative like that is, is interesting to me. So um, and again, it's just like dot com, like when in the dot com bubble, we had all these like crap websites. Uh, with all these far out ideas, but the, the kernels of some of those ideas were, have now carried on into the actual internet as we know it, you know, like video streaming platforms, you know, back in the late 90s, just absolutely abysmal. But now video streaming is so important, like, like what we're doing right now, you know, it's just, you just, the, the, people know it, this thing's, this, 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 this technology is good. And um, they, they kind of know some of the tools which they can use in this technology, but they just don't know how to implement them. And the technology itself isn't quite ready for it yet. Um, uh, it's sort of raining here. I don't know what it sounds like on your end. Is it okay? No, I, I don't hear it at all. Okay. Yeah. It's quite heavy on the on the roof here because I'm in the attic. Um, so <laughs> so yeah. So um, uh, no. So I'm not. I, yeah. I, I'm I'm not completely dismissive of all these projects. So I think there's probably some some good in there, um, which we can explore uh, on Bitcoin in time. You know, 
conservatively and soberly and not get too carried away and, and put too much funds in them but, yeah. exactly see like that, that that's the point right it's like i i don't dismiss those projects i i mean i do see them as a as an attack on bitcoin in a certain way but at the same time the double-edged sword to that is is that if the technology is really good and it's really robust um then it will may you know it may end up going into bitcoin you know so that that could be cool so um yeah. so switching away a little bit from the uh you know from the bitcoins and the shitcoins and stuff um let's let's talk about the uh, the m5 stack so uh as you know like i i was i was desperately trying to uh, i i got the uh I, if I had if I had an open node account, I would have gotten that to go. But I, I really yeah. wanted to just get the Raspy Blitz one. Man, I, I really love the. Uh, anyways, thank you very much for your help with that. How's that? Uh, how's that coming along? I, yeah, no, it's you coming along really well. It's um because uh, um, obviously I, I so I just for anyone listening, people should know any of the stuff I've done. Yeah, yeah, well, let's back it up. By the way, it's, it's um ARC BTC on GitHub, so ARC BTC. We're gonna put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, cool. And there's a playlist on World Crypto Network as well with some of the tutorials. Um, so I, I saw that there were lots of people interested in hardware and obviously development as well um, in Bitcoin uh, and experimenting with Nodes, for example, and, you know, uh, uh, Raspberry Pis and Rock64s and all this stuff. But there, there wasn't anyone really experimenting with microcontrollers and, and building things with microcontrollers. And there's actually an interview by Andreas um, in which he said, in, in the future, if there's, a, if there's an Internet of Things which is owned and, owned and regulated, by corporations and companies such as Google and Amazon, uh, it's going to suck. They're all going to listen in on you, and um, uh, it's just going to be a, a tool for state to, to, you know, it's going to be like Big Brother, except we buy the devices. Um, whereas if the users take control of the hardware, then actually an Internet of Things could be very exciting and, and, and could push society and humanity forward. Um, Again, you know, on the left. Again. I was like, yep, yep, yep. yeah. Like, the I don't social want, layer. I don't, yeah, I don't want Amazon to have control of my IoT. Um, so I think it's really important that we have free and open source um, uh, alternatives. Um, so I, I picked a microcontroller, which I try and base all my work off, which is the ESP32. And that's by a company called Espressive. Uh, but they've open sourced all their software. Um, and the hardware itself is more or less like 100% free and open source um uh stuff so um but a bit like the raspberry pi as well it's, it's kind of it's kind of like the the, the the commie microcontroller it's the one everyone uses so it has it, it's the most robust microcontroller you know the one and there's lots of kind of like um uh uh variations of it so companies buy the the the, the actual just microcontroller chip itself and then they they build their own development boards around it and they're all really cheap you can buy like an esp32 development board for like five dollars um and that's powerful enough to do like uh, get and post requests over HTTP, which is, you know, requires quite a lot of power. Um, and you can also plug things like displays and keypads into it and, and sensors and things. So um, and you can also plug you can retrofit them into stuff. So, um, uh, you know, one of the projects I did in San Francisco is I retrofit these six arcade machines using just an ESP32 and a screen. The SP32 uh, just connected to OpenNode, asked for an invoice, displayed it on the screen, someone paid it, and then the SP32 is checking to see if the invoice has been paid. Once it's been paid, it just then refreshes and makes a new invoice. Um, and then when you pay the invoice, it just triggers a little relay, which then triggers the coin mechanism. So it, the machine thinks that coins go into the system. And it's, it's, a, it's a, a very non-invasive um, retrofitting. Um, and I like I retrofit like um, uh, vending machines. I've got a vending machine behind me. 
I'm working on another vending machine that's been a pain in the ass, but if I get that project to work, it'd be cool. Um, uh, so you can retrofit them into a lot of, they're small, they're, they, they don't require much power. They've got some amazing functions. So one of their best functions, the SP32, is you can put into kind of a deep sleep mode. Um, yeah. where you keep, and you can specify what parts of the microcontroller you want to stay on. Um, so it can just be listening for like a button press or, or, or for it can be have a time, you know, it can be just keeping an eye on the time. So you can have one of these microcontrollers just wake up once a day, you know. So one of the projects I made was a, a Bitcoin price checker. It wakes up every three hours, checks the price, displays it on an e-paper screen, goes back to sleep. Um, and on, uh, I have these like, you know, thousand milliamp hour batteries, the little lithium ion square batteries. And on one of those, you know, if it's 0.4 milliamps, 0.04 milliamps when it's asleep for three hours, and then it wakes up and it consumes like, you know, 30 milliamps or something um, uh, for about, you know, I don't know, 20 seconds and then goes back to sleep again and you've got you know a, a thousand milliamp hour battery that little device is just going to run for, for months and months so um so they're, they're low powered they've got loads of really interesting functionality built in um uh you can do wi-fi bluetooth you, i built some mesh network stuff with them they're great they're great they're absolutely great so everything i build i try and base off that little microcontroller um and then if people buy the hardware then they can use and use it in all of the experiments the m5 stack it's a little uncharacteristic for me because it's that's a, 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 a separate company M5. They make they make that, um, and the, the the base microcontroller inside of it is, you know, is an ESP32. Yeah, but it has this really nice form factor. Uh, it's got a nice screen, nice buttons. It's got these like button. Um, I uh, love it. Face, I yeah, love that keypad. Face. By the way, all of them, the, the way keypad, they feel. Yeah, you can make a little Game Boy out of the thing, or I've used them to make a, a point of sale terminal. Um, uh, for accepting Bitcoin payments over Lightning Network. Uh, so they're, they're really, they're great, but they're a little bit more expensive. They're like $50, $60 or something. Then um, you've got to wait a while to get them from um, China. Oh, by the way, I want to add about that because uh, uh, one of the guys that, uh, one of the guys that I talked to about Bitcoin uh, was also doing some research. You can get them off of Amazon, okay? And you can get them faster. So, because I, oh, I did right, like okay. you, I, I ordered them directly from M5, and yeah, I waited more three weeks. They're expensive, though. They well, are. Amazon, yeah. They are. In the UK, it's like $80, whereas if you buy it from you, AliExpress, you can get it for about $55. Yeah. Five shop. But so you have it, to wait, you know, forever to get it. But, it, it all depends on, you know, it's, are you willing to spend to have it faster? <laughs> Sorry, continue. Um, but they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. They're great. And um, uh, that project, the M5, uh, I call it M5 Stack Sats. Um, which is just meant to be, isn't it? Um, it is. It totally that project, is. I sent one to Christian Rutzel in, in Berlin, and he's he's taken it to uh, Room 77, which is an like iconic bar in Berlin, um, the first bar to accept Bitcoin. It's, it's run by this old-school cypherpunk, pre-Bitcoin, Bitcoin, the dude, um, Jörg, and uh, he, he loves the little device. And he's Sick. Doing, it's brilliant. I mean, like a lot of people say, why don't you choose a phone or an iPad? And it's like, well, you know, we're trying to reinvent but, money here. That makes sense because you know money needs to be reinvented. You know, we, we need to we need to we need a better form of money. But look at all the point of sale terminals out there in the world. Like the majority of them are custom built, like specifically serve a purpose. Um, it's not going to get taken off by one of your employees. It's just a little low powered device you can make a payment on with a card or whatever. Um, so we should be we should be simulating that. Like what, there's no harm in in building similar devices, similar simple devices. You key in an amount and then. So you can make a payment on it. So I want to I want to touch on that, okay? Because what you're saying is is makes a lot of sense, and I think is some bigger picture adoption type of ideas. Because the reality is is that 
for people to move in, they need to feel comfortable. For people mm. to feel comfortable, it needs to feel familiar. So when you come in with a pay terminal and they don't really know or really even care that it's lightning in the background, they just know that, hey, this whole setup is costing me less to implement and I'm paying less on fees for transactions and I get to settle every day. It's mine. And it looks, you know, so, so it's like, so, so to me, I I think it's an absolute, like it's, it's a logical jump that we, that, you know, that we do this. So, yeah. Awesome. I'm also like I'm a bit of a you know a bit of a, a, a doom and gloomer. Like I think this like world economy Jenga shit show could could collapse on itself. Yeah, I remember 2008 and it happened very quickly. It um, did. I heard like one or two things on the radio, you know, uh, where there were a, a, a big these big landlords who had lots of property yeah. selling. But I, I got a little bit nervous because I had a pride just more property. Um, I remember hearing that and that was it. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, the, the, the whole uh, financial system could end yep. and, and there could be lines down the street for bread and all that stuff. All of a um, sudden, everyone's poor. All of a sudden. You know, it's like, that's it. Two, yeah. two news stories and like, but that's the thing, right? Once it comes out on the news, it's already too late. Now, this time when it happens, because before, what were you going to do? You're going to go buy some gold? Like, what's, what are the options really? But this time, and Bitcoin has a name for itself. Like, people know that Bitcoin is, you know, an opt-out. Um, if you can't trust Strategy. money, yeah, yeah, um, and now when when it happens, Bitcoin is going to be discussed really seriously as a, as a, as a, as a way of um, uh, sending value uh, to one another. Um, so I think it's important we have these. I mean, if we have if we have an easily accessible uh, device, whether there's lots of these devices which exist, um, uh, and we can quickly switch them over and turn them into point of sale terminals and get them into shops and things, and people can start using Bitcoin like. I think that's uh, I think that's that's something worth doing, um, and uh, actually one one of the coolest projects I've made we've, we've been experimenting with with the SP thirty two and uh, Stepan Snigarov's been helping me with it, um, and he's been doing it as well, um, and, and Justin Moon as well has been doing it is is turning these devices into hardware wallets. Yes, um, and I think a free and open source DIY hardware wallet uh, maker community in Bitcoin is much needed. Yeah, I agree. Hardware wallets are too expensive. I mean, so here's one of the more recent ESP thirty twos I've got here. Uh, this is sorry from M5. Is this actually isn't ESP thirty two based? It's based on another microcontroller, which is really confusing me. But what's very cool about this, this is by M five. Yeah, this is the stick, right? The stick. Yeah, this is a stick. Has yeah. a tiny little camera, and it has a screen which is big enough to be able to display Bitcoin uh, transactions. So what you can do, you can um, when you set up your wallet, for example, you can take a photo. And then you can hash through that photo to get decent entropy. So you have like a random number trying to generate a thing and that'll help build your seed. And then we have a Bitcoin wallet on here. Um, you can communicate. Uh, so you can you can scan a transaction, sign it on the device and then display the signed transaction on the device um, uh, for somebody else. Um, the other one they have, which is this one here, it's got a nice little form factor. This is ESP32 based and you can also make a, a um, uh, hardware wallet with this little device I've been trying to work on as well at the moment. What's really cool is I was talking to Stefan and, and Christian as well. Um, Christian had the idea that, say, if you have this some horrible post-apocalyptic, you know, something terrible happens, financial crisis, war, you know, Terminators. Um, uh, there's all these little devices. So if you go into your local hardware store and you look at um, uh, some of the IoT and light bulbs or whatever else, um, uh, or the, the Nest things for your boiler. They'll have little ESP32s and they'll have little microcontrollers which can do internet stuff. And you can get one of those and repurpose it and turn it into a hardware wallet. 
Um, so worst comes to worst, like there's all these little, all these little, as well as all the old phones as well you could use. So you could build like a global financial infrastructure um, uh, uh, and, and have some sort of global economy um, or access to some sort of global economy in some sort of crazy post-apocalyptic dystopian world, which I don't think is going to happen. But um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's really important that people just take control of these, take control of the hardware. Um, uh, uh. I agree. No, the, M5, the M5 stack, uh, one of the coolest things about the M5, the M5 is, so when I made the point of sale terminal, and then Justin who made his hardware wallet as well, and then there was a bunch of people getting excited about the terminal. I like CC'd M5 on all the Twitter conversations, um, and they started liking posts. And now I've spoken to them, uh, and um, they're, they're, they're seriously considering making a point, a specific point of sale terminal uh, face for the M5 stack. Uh, Dude, for us Bitcoiners, this would be amazing. Yeah. I, I, I would buy one, a hundred percent. Absolutely. So, you know? so they're listening to the Bitcoin community, and then. We're able to bring that microcontroller community into the Bitcoin. Microcontrollers are so relevant for Bitcoin. You've got these little devices it's to incredible. send information to one another. So it's you know, to send value to one another is like the next the next step, isn't it? Um, so, Bitcoin is the thing to be able to do that with. So I wanted to uh, to bring up something about the M5 stack because I was looking at some of the accessories and I noticed I noticed that there's an LTE module and there's a GSM module as well. So, cause I'm just thinking about the point of sale terminal, you know, like for people working in like, you know, I'm thinking of more nomadic point of sale terminal situations. Like yeah. it would be good to have a, uh, you know, like a, a, an install that we could do that, that the person could like, I don't know, connect up to their LTE network. So that way, you know, or connect up yeah. to the LTE network to be able to use their node from home, yeah. you know, for payments. So now yeah. they just, you know, they leave their note at home and all yeah. they bring with them is these little pay terminals. Yeah. So, I mean, so right? M5, all they've really done is they've taken, they've taken all the hardware and um, uh, sensors and little separated modules, it, which, which are made for Arduino. And they just put it into a really nice form factor. Yeah. Um, uh, I've, I've, exper I've got a GSM. I've got a, um, an ESP32 with a little built-in uh, SIM card slot, which I've, I've, I've played with, like trying to send Bitcoin transactions through and things. Um, and yeah, to totally. I mean, this, the, the, it's not like I'm with this stuff. We need a community of people making things because there's, there's too many ideas like this. Oh, yeah. What you said is a great idea. And like it just requires someone to sit down, hack away for a month and they'll make this thing and people will find it useful and it will benefit our community. It will benefit Bitcoiners. Um, I've got to stop calling it a community because it really triggers people. But um, <gasps> it will benefit, it'll benefit <laughs> Bitcoiners for, for people to be building, experimenting on this hardware. So. Yeah, that I, I, I want as many people to get involved as possible. And it's not, you know, have you, as you've experienced, you, it's kind of like when you download Arduino and start playing around with the Arduino IDE, it's like a little bit of a steep learning curve just to begin with. Yeah. But then once you break the back of it, and you, it really is hacking. Like, you, you just change a line here, change a line yeah. there, get it to say something else, you know. Um, uh, once you break the back of it and you spend a little bit of time on it, you, you can really, I mean, I'm not a, a, a developer by any means. Um, and I'm, I'm technically, I'm actually not that good. Um, uh, but, but I've just spent enough time like fiddling around on the Arduino ID to be able to like take control of these little devices. So if I can do it, anyone else can do it. Christ. Um, and there's, there's so many like good, so like the, the mesh networking with these little devices, these little, uh, uh, microcontrollers, that's such important work. Um, uh, which I, I hope people will take up and start and start playing around with. Uh, the hardware wallets, the point of sale terminals, retrofitting devices uh, to, to, to accept Bitcoin. 
um, and trigger to tr turn things on when when Bitcoin's accepted through them. Like, there's there's just so many projects you can make. So many I, I totally projects. agree. I, I totally it's agree. It's really nice on Twitter, like, I'll because um, I'm I'm sort of building a house uh, on the side at the moment, and um, so I've had like a week or so where I haven't really done any Bitcoin stuff. Um, but then I went on my Twitter and there was just like loads of people CCing me on projects they'd made. Not loads, you know, loads like, like half a dozen or something. People CCing me on projects they'd made. Um, uh, but they, you know, they were like, oh, inspired by this project, inspired by this project. So projects I'd done and they, they'd you know, then taken it forward and made something else out of. Um, and that was brilliant. It's, just, it's, it's the best thing to see that. And it's a funny experience as well because and when you went, because like, you know, normal no coiner, non techie, uh, people, legacy people, the analog people. When you when you when you explain to them what you're making, they're like, "Oh, can you can you patent it and can you make money off it?" And it's like, "No, it's free enough to solve." Yes, it. and they're like, "What? Why? What? Why but then, would you do that? Why? Why? Like, why would you make something free enough to solve?" So you don't make. Of, so you don't get paid. You don't get paid. You know. But then, <laughs> but then, the, the, then the, the rate of innovation, though, is, the next day, like one of the projects I made, which is the a sweet machine project with a little e-paper module. Um, which displayed a QR code you paid and it spat some sweets out. Um, uh, the next day when I put that on Twitter, like somebody had, had retrofitted that into a pinball machine. Um, and so you could pay for a credit on the pinball machine. Uh, um, and, and, and it got loads of likes and got Bitcoiners really excited. Um, so just the rate of innovation when you, when you don't have proprietary control over, over software and over ideas and projects like this, is, uh, it's great. But it is, it is, there is something quite to begin with quite hard about like having an idea making something and then giving it to the world for free and then seeing other people make stuff sometimes which is better than your stuff as well and thinking oh man that's my idea He's doing better yeah <laughs> but but okay but the, this is the, the this is the difference between the person that wants to innovate and the person that like the, it's 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 a certain amount of um you know what people can call it selfish but also i think it's also a little bit selfless because you know, going back to that point you made before about the no coiners, that is the biggest, I'd say it's the number one thing that I hear from anybody because they'll, you know, it's like they'll, I'll tell them about Bitcoin, I'll tell them about the lightning nodes, I'll tell them about, you know, me building all these cases and, you know, and they're like, so you're buying all this hardware. It's like, yeah, it's like, you make any money off of this? I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and like, for some reason, it's like at that point, I'm just a moron. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, okay, so, so what the hell, ride. <laughs> you know, it's like, so, okay, so big deal. I'm not getting paid. I, I got to tell you, man, a lot of people that, that went on to do great things and I'm not saying I will, uh, I don't really yeah. care, but what I'm saying is, is that they did it because they wanted to, they did it because they wanted to satisfy absolutely. their own curiosity. So, yeah, you know absolutely. what, if you're just doing shit, cause you're getting paid, then you're yeah. doing it for the wrong freaking reason. No, the the, 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 the engineers and the inventors of this world um, historically have just done it because they they wanted to experiment. And That's right. To make stuff. And then and then someone's seen commercial value and maybe taken it forward and made something commercially, some sort of commercial thing out of it, or or they have even. But the original drive is just they just want to make cool stuff. That's they right. Just want to hack around and make cool stuff and then share it with their mates. You know. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, maybe we are all morons, but to, to me, free and open source is definitely the way forward, and not the proprietary mentality. Well, you know what? More, you know what? You, you moron or not, I could tell you this, okay? Yeah. Um, from my experience, from doing everything I've ever done, just because I wanted to do it, I learned the most. Yes. I, I learned the most and I retained the most about what I learned. 
And, and yeah. in the end, and you were it the ended most productive up being too. yeah. You were the most productive at that. Like this is like so... the teaching stuff. Like I worked hard when I was a teacher, and like you know, we we did some good work with some kids, and but I swear I've I've produced more, and I've given more back to to society in general, humanity in general, just fiddling around and playing with these microcontrollers, um, just because because if you're giving those ideas out to out to the world for free as well. Other people can take those ideas and it can inspire other people to make things and then uh, maybe even build businesses or I don't know, whatever else. Um, so I swear, yeah, no, it's, it's, this is the, that phrase, each to his own ability, each to his own need. I think it's so true. Like, I agree. Contribute where you can and contribute on what you enjoy. And then that's where you'll be most productive. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a bullshit statement in the way, I suppose, because no one's going to think, well, I'm, I really enjoy cleaning toilets, but maybe we'll get the robots to do that in the future. Exactly. Um, in our free and open source society um so man we're we're coming up on over an hour together and i think like we could just keep going on and I on i know yeah, it's, it's awesome but yeah. um yeah we'll uh we'll we'll cut it at this point and uh if anybody how about this okay so um if anybody wants to reach you what's the uh, what's the best way to reach you uh you can hit me on twitter if you want and uh, i've got a policy of not blocking or muting so you can be as mean as you want on twitter <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll post your uh, your um, details yeah, in the show notes. Thing on there. Um, and then if not Twitter, then hit me on GitHub. Um, I'm really bad with GitHub. Because before uh, these projects I've been building in the past sort of year, it was just about a year, almost a year, um, uh, I hadn't really done much on, on GitHub, you know. Uh, so so I'm, I'm just really bad at, like, following up on issues and things. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Um, <laughs> I need to look into how, how to actually sort of run proper particularly now because some of the repos that they're having contributors and people suggesting things on, I need to start listening to them a little bit more. Um, so yeah, so if you want to communicate with me, hit me up on Twitter. If you want to look at my stuff, go on ArcBTC on, on GitHub. Uh, if you want to look at some of the videos, go to the playlist on World Crypto Network. Um, I am going to be we running a workshop in TCConf in Romania, so the Transylvania Crypto Conference. Cool. Um, which is going to be ace, I can't wait for it. Uh, it's going to be great. Um, uh, I'm not sure what the tutorial is going to be on. Um, I actually thought about just doing something simple because I ordered a whole bunch of these ESP32s with a really nice built-in um, uh, TFT screen. Yeah. So I thought about maybe just making just a Bitcoin price checker or a Bitcoin price checker stroke like node information retriever thing displayer. So like just have it do, you know, the, the what is it, the V1 get info uh, um uh, get request on the LND mm -hmm. and just return info about a node and then display it on the little screen or just do like a Bitcoin price ticker thing just to get people playing with Arduino and then the little microcontrollers um, yes I, I kind of think that the people who can do the more advanced projects they can just go do it at home but just like giving people you want the noobs who've never used Arduino who've never used this hardware at all uh, before in the past to just do a really simple project uh, which they'll probably use as well like they could plug it into a little battery and then stick in the kitchen and look at the price of bitcoin every now and then whatever um uh so yeah so i think maybe i'll do that maybe i'll do that in the lightning conference uh which is the next week after that so the the um, transylvania crypto conference um which has got some incredible speakers there actually i think adam back's going uh, i heard um, oh nice days ago yeah uh and we've got we've got some great speakers um uh that's on when is that that's october the 10th i think and then the 10 days after that in Berlin on like the 19th and the 20th, we've got um, the Lightning Conference there. So I'm gonna do a workshop there too. 
uh, but that's going to be a little bit more advanced. So I'm going to do like a point of sale kind of workshop. And there it'll probably be like, if people want to come to me and make a point of sale, I'll have a whole bunch of kits and they can come and sit down and make them with me. Um, and then after that, um, there's Bitbrum. So if you're in the UK, uh, there's a, a really good conference in Birmingham, uh, which not a lot of people talk about so much, but it's a great conference, Bitbrum. And there uh, I'll be doing a couple of workshops there, uh, playing with the hardware as well. So uh, very keen on just educating people, getting people, getting these devices out to people so they can start experimenting. Um, uh, all my workshops will be completely free. Um, uh, so yeah, and the, the hardware will be free as well. So just come along and then build something um, uh, if, if, if you're at one of those conferences. Very cool, man. Very, very cool. And I encourage you as well. So some, some people who, who are building some of these projects, maybe the point of sale terminal, um, you know, run, run, run some workshops in your local um, Bitcoin meetup and um, try and get people exp and, and maybe give out, you know, Christmas presents or birthday presents by some of these uh, microcontrollers, uh, ESP32 microcontrollers, and then um, give them out to some of your Bitcoin friends and get them to experiment with them. We need to take control of the hardware. It's important. <laughs> totally agreed. Totally agreed. And I, I got to still figure out what's wrong with my script. I, uh, yeah, so you're so you're connecting because you're connecting to your node, aren't you? I'm trying to. I, I didn't put in the details, but my whole point was was that I couldn't get the like I compiled both scripts, the Open mm. Node one and the Raspy Blitz one, and the Raspy Blitz one fails to compile, whereas my Open Node one compiled. And I, I sent you all the uh, the. Do you know? What I, do you know? What I, sh I think I need to do is just make a really simple project where you get the M5 stack just to connect to your node and then return the name of your node and put it on the screen. Um, because uh, that's kind of like because then you know you know you've connected to it don't you yeah um and then and then you can also because it'd be simple you'd be able to look through the code and kind of figure out what's going on yes and then from that then people could go on and do the actual full point of sale terminal um uh, maybe like a stepping stone like a, i could make like a node checker and just get it to display the info about the node like how many channels it's got in its capacity and stuff maybe. that man that'd be really cool I'll stick that on the m5 very stuff. cool um, and then, and then you could go from there. Then that might make sense. Maybe I'll do that this afternoon. Um, I show. Well, I suppose you know people aren't going to be able to see either because it's a podcast. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've got a cool project here. I'm building like an ATM thing. So. Oh, um, cool. Uh, yeah. There's. This is what I love about Bitcoin, man. Like. We'll, we'll put it in the roundtable number five. You'll you'll have yeah, to and, when we do the video. And again, like on the subject of getting involved, there's so many little pockets of innovation and people doing interesting stuff where. You can get involved. You can be a complete technical noob, and like you can just you know say if you want to help you know, go 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 download Zap Wallet and then run it and then play around with it until you until you break it for some reason and then report back you know to, to Tom on, on on the GitHub whatever and say and say why you broke it and how you broke it. That all that stuff's like helpful you know to, to people developing stuff. You know they need people testing their their software. Um, uh, so you can you can contribute. You can you can. Um, uh, yeah, you just, 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 just contribute where you can. But one of the, the, the little pockets of innovation I see in Lightning Network at the moment, uh, which no one really talks about, but it's flipping awesome, is uh, there's a group of people building um, a standard for uh, um, wallets, for Lightning Network wallets, and it's called LNURL. Yes. Yeah, you've, you've heard yes, about Yes, yes. I actually, I actually posted it in uh, some previous show notes today. It might have been mentioned Fantastic. in uh, the roundtable number two, I think. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. It's great, man. And like, I, so I recently just built a faucet, like a lightning faucet, where it's just displays QR code. You go up to it, you scan it with a wallet, and it gives you 100 Satoshis. And that's it. You don't even need to, you don't need to make any channels. I think, uh, isn't Ross from Lightning Gifts 
like yeah. dot gifts. Yeah, I think, that's I think what he's I'm involved using. with he's that. Yeah. API. yeah, man, he's he's awesome. He's cool, man. What yeah, man, he's very cool guy. Well, they've they're, they're one of the, the new standards they've done is LNURL pay, which now means you can have a static QR code. So you know, so that's of very having, cool. So instead of having to generate a new QR code, yes, every time you want to pay, you have the same QR code. And you can just keep paying it and paying it and paying it and paying it. So you can. So on my sweet machine now, I don't even need a, a screen. I just uh, I just have a printed QR code, you know, stuck on it. And you can argue, well, that's the security vulnerability. You know, somebody could stick a QR code over the top of it, and it's like, yeah, that's true, but. Um, when the sweet machine doesn't spell any sweets, they'll complain to the guy who's a sweet machine, and the guy who's a sweet machine will see someone stuck a QR code over the top of it. But there, there are some applications, so like, you know, again, going back to good old the, the prophet Andreas, um, uh, uh, he did a talk and he was talking about money streaming, you know, Bitcoin, Lightning Network, you know, money streaming. Um, and uh, you can, when you have a static QR code, you can say, okay, I want this static QR code to work until. Um, you know, I've made uh, 10,000 uh, Satoshis on this service. So say, say if you're doing content streaming, you, you, you click on a video and then um, you make payments um, until uh, you, you complete the video, until you filled up that um, static QR code and then it generates a new QR code. So you have this ability to start streaming money um, uh, uh, for, for, for content or streaming money for you know, um, I think one of the examples was for, for making a payment where you're, you're, say, if you've got like an insurance, your car insurance or whatever, then you would pay for the car insurance the time in which you're actually in the car or you have different people in the car, your insurance could change. So um, uh, you can, we can ex start experimenting with actually stream, I'm particularly on Lightning Network with these micropayments, uh, with these static invoices. Um, so LNURL is great. I mean, I don't know. I think some of the, the functionality eventually may become protocol layer stuff, um, but it's always better to keep the, the protocol as simple as possible. So if we can if we can have it as a sort of stack on top of, of the protocol, um, that's better. So uh, no, I, I love LNURL. And again, it's a really small community of developers. You know, if you, you can just go to LN, uh, Lightning Gifts, play around with it, look at the API, try and build something off it, um, dedicate some time to doing that, and you will contribute to the ecosystem in some way, and you will help uh, lots of other Bitcoiners. So um, yeah, just get involved. People just get involved in, in building and helping to help people build cool stuff. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate it, and uh, I look no, forward cool, to uh, good work. Yeah, I look yeah. forward to uh, having you on the uh, the future roundtables. Yeah, keep up the good work. Thanks, thanks for thanks for organizing the roundtables as well. They're great. Um, uh, I think we all kind of really like to be able to touch base with a bunch of other people interested in Lightning Network and, yeah. and discuss, you know. Um, uh, things have been happening in the ecosystem. So no, it's really great. Thanks for organizing that. And um, yeah, I will speak soon, man. Cheers for that. Very cool. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that does it for us on another Fun with Bitcoin episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter or Telegram, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I'm funwithbitcoin at protonmail.com. All of BTC Socialist information will be in the show notes for the projects that he mentioned and his GitHub. Thank you all for listening. Catch you all next time.